The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. Welcome back to another episode of the Ebony's and the Ivory podcast. This is one of your two hosts, Dr. Lakeith the Pool, and I have my lovely uh, co-host here with me as well, Dr. Bell. How are you? Hi, everybody. So we are back with episode 20, um, which is pretty exciting. It's kind of like a milestone, I feel like. Um, and so, of course, if you are listening, more than likely you have already done this. But if you haven't, make sure before you get through this episode, you hit the subscribe button on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to us. Um, you can also follow us on social media to keep up with us um, throughout the month on Instagram or Facebook. We're at Ebony's in the Ivory. And you can also follow us on Twitter at Ebbs in the Ivory. Um, and then if you're just looking for a one-stop shop, because that's too many places for you to go, everything is listed on the website at www.ebonysintheivory.com, which is also accessible on the go, G-E-A-U-X, you know, Um, and uh, you can catch up with us there. So we are ready to start. All right, guys. So um, this month, we have a bonus episode. So you guys know when you have a bonus episode, we want to bring someone in. Um, outside of Dr. Poole and myself, who can give us some real-life experiences and share with us their journey. So this month, we have Jute Ma, and she is a doctoral candidate um, at Louisiana State University. Um, she is also our friend. Um, so, you know, no, she's our friend. Um, but she's going to share with us her journey, um, academic and career, um, and just give us all insight uh, into the great things that she's been doing. Um, so I'm just going to quickly read her bio. Um, Juice Ma uh, is a regional coordinator with the Louisiana Board of Regents, Louisiana Office of Student Financial Assistance. So in Louisiana, we call that LASPA. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, was previously a professional school counselor um, in Zachary. Um, she also she worked with my mom. So my mom um, is a retired teacher from Zachary. So like my mom would come home and be like, "Hey, I, like I saw your friend you today. Like you know, oh she's so sweet, she's so nice." So I mean, that's an interesting connection there as well. Um, also in New Orleans, Louisiana, um, she is originally from Liberia. 
and she moved to Baton Rouge almost nine years ago from Atlanta, Georgia, where her family currently resides. Uh, Jute, uh, like we said, is a PhD candidate in the Ed Leadership Research Program at LSU, and she graduated from Georgia State in 2009 with a bachelor's in psychology and with a master's of education in school counseling in 2000. So Jute was also like our cohort member too, so like it's real deep. Like, the relationship is real deep. It's real deep. (laughs) (laughs) We all got our master's in counseling at the same time. Yeah. Um, And she is passionate about working with economically disadvantaged students and ensuring students receive quality college and career readiness. Um, If you guys know anything about me, you know, college and career readiness is like, you know, I champion and it's like a big part of you know, of what, what I believe in, um, and my belief system. Um, so Jute and I definitely connect there as well. Um, her hobbies include volunteering, watching and playing sports. You go girl. Um, and spending time <laughs> with family and people that on play sports. Uh, spending time with family and friends and interior designing and gardening. Um, so which is basically going to jump right into it, Jute. Um, could you share some insight into your overall academic and career journey? Yes, well, firstly, congrats on episode number 20, and thank you all for having me. It's an honor. That's awesome. Yes, I love this song. And hello, everyone out there. Um, So my journey goes way back. So um, I actually, when I graduated high school, um, my family moved all over the country because my dad actually was a graduate student. So he was... um, a graduate student in mathematics, and he got um, about five degrees. So we moved literally every degree was a different place, a different state. Um, so when I grew up from New Mexico, went to Oregon, graduated, I was determined, I was going to be Venice. And so I did everything, was in all the clubs, went to Oregon State my freshman year, did pre-dental school and pre-dental, the pre-dental program. And then when I got into um, organic chemistry, I was like, okay, this is not what I want to do. And so I actually had to reset. And at that point in time, my family actually moved to Atlanta from Oregon, which is culturally, demographically, night and day, literally. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, so that was kind of a big change for me um, because I grew, I didn't grow up around a lot of African American people because I grew up in New Mexico, which is a lot of Latino people, and then um, Oregon, you know, a lot of Caucasian people. So. It was a definitely a cultural shift for me. Um, and so when we moved to Atlanta, I decided to think about what I really wanted to do. Um, I still wasn't really sure, so I continued in the medical field. I, I got a medical assisting certificate, uh, believe it or not. And then I decided I like helping people, like actually helping people, not just uh, providing a service to them. So um, I started an associate degree in psychology um, from Dallas College. And then I transferred to Georgia State University, um, where I actually finished and graduated with my um, bachelor's degree in 2009. So it's kind of this long, windy journey, kind of not sure what I wanted to do, change my major, probably a little bit behind, but um, still kind of have, had a better idea. Um, so I actually graduated, if you remember, 2009 was right in the recession, so there wasn't a whole lot of jobs. So I found mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. applying to jobs and being like the second in consideration next to someone who had a higher degree, master's degree. So I'm like, okay, 
I need to go back to school. I was looking at academic advisor positions at, at colleges. And so um, I was able to find a lot of jobs. So what I did was I joined AmeriCorps, um, which is a volunteer kind of thing. We get a very modest salary, so it really humbled me. Um, but I was glad I found something. So I actually worked with Outward Bound Atlanta, which took students from inner city Atlanta up into the wilderness and did like ropes courses and stuff to kind of help them learn about themselves. So that was an experience for me for a year. Um, when I worked with a student who didn't really know how to read, but we read books that was of interest to him, that's when I realized, you know what, I actually like helping students figure out what they like to do and help them navigate their challenges. And so that was actually when I decided to look into school counseling. Um, so just kind of navigated from there because I knew I didn't want to like, when I researched the field, I realized I didn't want to test people to death, kind of like psychology, psychologist. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to actually help people. And so once I did my research, I was like, oh, that sounds good. So um, when I was a medical member, I went to New Orleans for um, a service project. And I was like, New Orleans is very different. This might be something new for me because um, at that time I, was, I had just ended a relationship. It was kind of like, I need to get out of Georgia. So um, that transition naturally was like, oh, I'm going to go to Louisiana. But when I looked at school counseling program, I, I looked at Xavier in New Orleans, but um, I wasn't a teacher, so that wasn't out because I think I was a teacher for two years to be in that program. Um, I looked at Southern and I looked at LSU um, and saw that it was actually an hour from New Orleans. So I was like, okay, well, that might be something slower for me since Atlanta was always going, things were always going on. So, um, once I moved, so I decided to look at LC and Southern, um, I actually connected, when I did my research, I connected with Dr. Jennifer Curry, um, and so once I read her bio, I was like, oh my goodness, because she was about social justice, really helping students, mm-hmm. and her background was really impressive, and so once I applied um, and interviewed, Literally, our phone conversation was just like, I've known this woman forever. Mm-hmm. And so, it was like... Shout out to Dr. Wow. Curry. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. We talk about her all the time on here. Like, all the time. Uh, so, yeah. So, yes, I am definitely a stan. Uh, so, she actually was the reason why I came to that version LSU. And so, from the moment I literally stepped foot on LSU's campus, it was like a relationship looking back now, um, now almost nine years, will be ten years next year. And it's like, wow. Um, and I'll share a little later how she ended up being my current dissertation chair. But so from then on, I went to the program, got to do a little bit of research and presenting and stuff like that. And so um, once I, I, I grabbed, before I graduated, um, I, was a, I was offered a position with the recovery school district in New Orleans. Um, and so it was something that I was just like thankful I had because you were applying for different jobs and you know, at that time, we were, it was still recovering from the recession, so it wasn't really like well jobs. So I took that. I was a K through eight counselor in New Orleans. Um, so I actually got to live in New Orleans, which I was really excited about. And um, then we had some friends like Lakeitha, who was from there, so she was able to help me. Her mom was really great instrument to help me kind of navigate and get around as well. Um, and so I was thankful I actually got to be a school counselor. Like what I learned with the the model. I didn't have to do any testing or any, you know, registering or anything like that. It was strictly counseling and planned an eighth grade trip to Atlanta and Alabama, uh, HBCUs and PWIs for my eighth grade students. So that was really exciting. 
Um, then the school closed, um, was taken over by charter. And so um, the principal was kind of looking for another job. And I was like, okay, um, where do I go from here? And I actually didn't mention, but I was one of my, my internship was actually at Dr. High School. And so my internship supervisor was actually being promoted to another position. And so she actually called. So thank God for that. So that was how I ended up being at Zachary, but we're trying to Zachary was a counselor there. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zachary loops, so we stay with the same students until they graduate. So mm-hmm. um, fortunately, I had interacted with these students um, while I was an intern. And so, you know, it was kind of like coming full circle. So I actually got to see them graduate, help them graduate. And then I was like, you know what? I need something different, right? I need to kind of grow. I always love challenges. And so um, uh, at that time, uh, my kids had graduated, and uh, I served on the White House Convening Committee um, and worked, uh, served on the committee for um, Los Angeles Advisory Committee. So I met Dr. Tarika Cobb, who is not my supervisor. She called me, and there was a spot open, and so I ended up working where I am now. And so it's, you know, I wanted to work into policy, and I told myself by the age of 35, I'm going to work for the state, but ended up being by 30. So, yeah. you know, it was like, <laughs> yeah. yes, 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 all praise them, because honestly, like, it was, it's, I, that time I knew it was time for me to move, right, when the mm-hmm. opportunity came. And so I've been here now, I've grown so much, and um, I was like, you know what, okay, now, now that I kind of got so free, I want to go back to school. And so, um, I talked to you both um, about like, you know, what I wanted to do because the good thing about having the friendships that we have and the relationships that we built during our monsters program mm-hmm. is that we, you know, it's like we were all in that together. So, like, we were all going to school for the most of us. All just all of us went back to school, and so we could all learn from each other. And so it was like mentors to be able to say, "Yeah, you can do it." and I work full-time, I travel a lot for work, and so they're like, yeah, you can do it, I did it, mm-hmm. full-time, you know, I went to LSU's higher program, like, you can do it, so that was very instrumental in getting back, so fast forward, I'm in my um, third year, um, doing, I'm in the data collection phase of my dissertation, um, my goal is to defend in December, but to be degree only in the spring and basically mm-hmm. walk in May. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I know those are like extremely lengthy. <laughs> so thanks for your patience. But yeah, <laughs> it was like, I'm not a, you know, I'm a planner, I'm a perfectionist. So it really did take a different direction. So, um, yeah, so that's how I got to where I am now. First of all, goals. Okay, hashtag goals. Yeah. And after being stuck your journey, it's just amazing that even though, and it's, it, it reminds me of mine as well, like even though you didn't necessarily know you, you want to help people and you kind of figured it out as you went, but you kind of like remained dedicated like, you know, to, to like your core values, right? So like you knew that you wanted to help people, like you knew that you wanted to do it in the most efficient and effective way possible. Um, and, and that looked like, you know, getting a terminal degree, right? So that you could do it at the highest level. Um, so, Mark goals. Um, and, <laughs> I'm in company of goals. So <laughs> they're just emanating everywhere. <laughs> but, you know, really, you know, just sharing 
that, like, how you got to where you are. I think it's very important for us to hear, for our listeners to hear, um, because everybody's story looks different. Um, like, the people and I, we, you know, you know, kind of wrote together and did all that, but our before stories are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's story is different. So we always say representation matters. Um, so everybody's stories um, and pathways being able to be represented, um, you know, is, is, is why Ebony's an Irish song. Um, so you talked about, you kind of talked about Dr. Curry being um, your chair, um, which she was also my chair. Uh, so you cannot talk about this all the time. Um, and you've written with her and you already know um, that she's like a bulldog when it comes to like writing. But you already know it. Um, I wish you would have told me. Um, <laughs> so you could have prepared me um, when it was my time because I think you wrote with her before I did. So you could have spared me some tears. But you <laughs> Thanks, Mm-hmm. Um, especially those first two years in coursework, but thankfully the professors 
um, Dr. Kennedy, Dr. Uh, Rowan Mitchell, and um, and Dr. Shonda Allen Mitchell were very, they worked a lot with us, with me especially. So that kind of helped that mm-hmm. experience, um, getting through that for sure. That's amazing. Um, so as far as, it, it sounds like that working full time pretty much, and then like, I, you know, I, I know, you know, you and Brittany work together, so I, I, I see that she's always in different cities, um, and y'all are doing different things and presenting across the state and helping students with financial aid and college and career readiness. Um, would you say outside of, um, you know, working full time and having to um, manage your time, were there any other challenges that you faced um, while pursuing the doctoral degree? Um, I would say probably it kind of I don't know if it was maybe outside or maybe it was just part of the process but just personal challenges with me just like I said with identity just realizing who I am and who I'm not you know where you fit in looking at life goals um, and then looking kind of like everyone else's life goals I guess um, realizing that you know I'm single um, although I'm successful um it's kind of like that. I've been successful in my career and my academic life, but then my personal life has always kind of suffered, right? So then it becomes that um, challenge of seeing, okay, how can I fit that in? Because it really wasn't going to fit in. It was like, work is bay, and then school <laughs> other bay. There's no other, you know, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of time for that. And the relationships that you tried to build trying to make it work in that regard just did not work out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it did weigh on me a lot. Um, and so managing all of that, like I had, you know, breakdowns and you know, when we would meet up regularly, a regular meeting like every six months, but when we would meet up, we would be able, you know, it was it was a lot. So I'd be able to share with you guys and you guys would be able to help me kind yeah. of um, get through those processes. So, um, yeah, it was definitely a personal challenge for me. I would say over these last few years, I've grown a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, I think it just was part of the process. Um, it was difficult because, um, so selecting my advisor, initially I didn't have Dr. Curry, I had another advisor, um, and I felt kind of like a number, and Dr. Curry was an associate chair, associate dean at the time, so she wasn't able to um, advise me like that. But when she left, again, another sign from God, so I was like, Take this opportunity while I had it, so like, mm-hmm. I had to be my, my chair. And so, as soon as she became my chair, like the path became clear. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, to where I was going to go. Actually, talking to Deja Long, she told me she had her, and um, she was tough. So, I saw parts of it, but I didn't see as much as I have seen um, in, in this regard. And so, when, when I talked to Deja Long, and she told me, you know, be. And then I have a lot of tears, you know, and I'm like, I'm already kind of an emotional person anyway. I don't do well when I get really, really stressed. And so I was like, okay, what am I? But um, she's just very structured. So you had other people whose chairs were a little more lax. And so you always kind of jealous, like, well, hey, like, you got to take your stuff home and I got to sit You know, and, and you almost felt like, I wouldn't say you're being punished, but it was just kind of like, 
you you felt like you were held to a higher standard than mm-hmm. some of the other my friends, some of their chairs held them to. And it's no straight towards them because everybody's different. I knew ultimately um, it was going to prepare me well because I knew Dr. Kirk for a long time. Bajan obviously turned out very, very well. So I knew I was going to be in good hands. I would you know, spare a lot of, share a lot of tears in the process, but I knew it was going to be for good. So, um, but yes, that was a very hard thing, being putting your heart into everything and then not knowing whether or not it's going to be Girl. like your best. Being a perfectionist, that was something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but it was like when I set a goal on something, I was able to make it work. So thankfully, like, that's when I started getting into the, um, actual process through my general exam, um, you know, that was helpful. Um, I took a Saturday class um, with Dr. Dowell, um, and so it was an eight-hour class, and I was with other people. That helped my writing a lot with content, mm-hmm. so um, time management was the, it was definitely challenging. That's how I had to make it work when I had no other time. So you kind of just kind of made a great segue into what I was going to ask you next is, you know, now that you're here, you know, you passed general, um, you've, you know, submitted your proposal, you defended your proposal and all of that, now you're a candidate. Um, just how has the dissertation process, the thinking around that, the writing around that, how you managed to stay afloat, um, you know, during this particular process? Because we always say, you know, Going to classes, you know, it's 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 difficult to an extent, mm-hmm. but the dissertation is that's like the meat and potatoes of it all, and that's when you really have to face some things. Um, <laughs> and yourself, you got to face yourself. Yeah, absolutely. That's when you have to face yourself. Like that is what like calls out. So how have you been able to like stay afloat? And what what have you done? You know, during, you know this this last year Student crisis management. I always forget that part. Um, and so, how I uh, 
came on this topic was I saw an article on the Revelay, and it talked about how, um, you know, the college um, counseling centers were becoming full, and they didn't yes. have anywhere to go. Um, yes. So we turned away, and, and so I'm like, okay, well, how does that work? Because I wanted to find the topic that was going to merge my school counseling background with my higher background to kind of be a little bit more marketable, kind of challenge myself a little bit. And so I was like, okay, well, let me look at this. Like, who do they go to? Those who live on campus, who do they go to? And so once I talked to Dr. Curry about it, there was also, there was actually some research with previous doctoral students that she had. And so that's how I became interested in that topic. And so, um, you know, that's, I'm not familiar with that other than living in a residence hall. I had no experience. I was really like an outsider in this area. Um, but thankfully, Dr. Curry, not only is she very, uh, you know, regimented and, and she is goals in general, but she is an mm-hmm. avid networker. So she was also like, these people, these people, these people. And actually, my dean's representative, she actually was a rector for the Agricultural Sciences um, College. So she had um, put me in contact with um, a resident talk coordinator. And so I was able to really talk to them to really understand the experience. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so fast forward to where I am now. So actually, um, I have a friend, Danielle. Um, she and I have been a writing partner. She was actually a little bit before me. She um, is in the social work department. So she's in the social work college or um, division. And so we have similar personalities and stuff like that. So um, I'm someone that generally works alone, but I don't do well with really large groups. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I have friends where they kind of have their own priorities. And so my thing was, okay, I got to get this done. And I have to have myself up time. To, so she and I have been writing well together. Um, and like I said, just keeping on a deadline. So my after, my sample, um, my instrument. So the, uh, one of the instruments that I'm using. So I'm doing a mixed method study. For real. <laughs> So 
Um, I have to do another application to get that out to them. It takes about 45 days after they receive it. But my goal is to start no later than mid-September to um, actually start this my study. So that's why I'm right now. That's um, awesome. Like, that's, oh my goodness. Like, that's just, <laughs> that's amazing. Like, this, all of that, like, you had to go through, like, getting permissions. Like, we didn't <laughs> We got a lazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't necessarily do all that, but that's that's awesome. Um, so you know we're here now. You know you're you're getting ready to collect data, um, and defend, um, in December, and then you're gonna be degree only. Um, what about your postgraduate plans? So um, I enjoy what I do. I love what I do. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
it, it's to help the next generation. So, snaps to to you um, bringing that to the forefront. Um, so, what advice um, would you have for um, our listeners, our Ebony's, um, in reference to, um, you know, just pursuing a doctoral degree and how to survive? <laughs> yeah, survival time. Um, yeah, I think you just have to, um, I know I have a friend who I know was considering it, and she, you know, she, I would say she's a civilian, she has a family at home, um, and she works, um, beyond full time, as we say, and so, it's, it's really just doing really what you, there's not really a time limit, I would say, I think everyone feels like, there's like a, um, this rush, you have to get it done, or, um, do, do what you're, what you're passionate about, you may not know exactly what, direction you want to go into, but take that time and figure it out, because you do have people who, um, I'm sure you may have had some of y'all had the program, the ABEs, right, they get through the coursework, Mm -hmm. do the general exams, and they just kind of like, okay, that's it, and so you really want, you have to have that passion to feel you further beyond just, you don't want to be an ABD of a dissertation and for a significant period of time, you don't want to take seven years unless your bike journey makes you take seven years. Mm-hmm. Right? There's nothing wrong with taking seven years. Um, but I know for me it's financial, right? So um, look at your finances. Look, Speak to mentors. Speak to people that you um, that you know who've gone through the process. Um, this is an excellent platform. I believe. I'm just so proud of y'all for having this because I wish I had this when determining that, but thankfully I have y'all in the flesh to kind of help you guys to me through this process. But finding resources like this in social media, um, yeah. talking to, reaching out to mentors on your campus, mm-hmm. you may not even know who they are, but hear about their journey and be like, oh, I'm going to reach out to them and see, because they may be like you and can guide you through it. Um, so in short, take your time really thinking what your passions are, because that passion is what's going to take you through the program when it burns out or when you get yes. frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um, going with that, with that. And that is, I want to help students find a way to post-secondary. I want to help academically disadvantaged students find a way to pay for school. Um, and then also seeing what uh, scholarships you can find out there. I know, like, um, Dejan told me about um, the tuition award. Like, mm-hmm. had I not talked to her, I probably wouldn't have found that out. So, you know, my school was paid for for a couple of years. And then, um, you know, just finding different opportunities that you may not have, you may not hear from the university. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing, doing your research also is key because you may think you want to go in one direction and then you realize your passions take you elsewhere and you don't want to be two years in and be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so there's no rush. I don't think uh, I'm more time-based. So I know it's kind of like, okay, why are you saying that? But you are, you know. But it's really what works for you, what works for your timeline. Um, I know some people are like, wow, I wish I was single and could kind of do you, you know, do your own thing, and I don't have to, you know, I'm married, so I don't know if I can go back and do it with a with child, and, you know, but it's like, if that's what your goals are, find a way to make it, even your part-time, and you take seven years. Mm-hmm. Um, Preach. Preach. You know, just do what, make sure you don't let go of that life goal because, you know, of your, um, you know, more obviously more important obligations. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. everything that you said. Same. <laughs> It basically sums up, you know, why we do what we do. And like you said, you know, you wish that you had that we like, we wish we would have, you know, um, the tribe that, you know, we tried to, you know, create, but, you know, our, our goal 
to demystify the process as best we can because there are few and far between um, mentors for women of color. Um, and, and you just, you know, the kind of fear of, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, what this looks like and I don't really know how to navigate this. You might be the first person or even if you're not the first person, we always say um, your experience is going to be different from anybody else's um, in your family. So, um, you know, when we, you know, are um, able to have people like you on the show that can share, you know, um, you know, your journey and the, the ebbs and the flows and the, the zigzags and, and it's versus like the straight line, um, you know, we, we just appreciate that and um, I'm sure our listeners appreciate it too um, because you're giving us, you know, a different side. Um, so we definitely appreciate um, you sharing, sharing your story with us. Um, we're going to go on for a second and then we're going to come back and talk about uh, our culture corner, which you touched on um, already. Um, July is July's about to be over, but um, it's my <laughs> mental health awareness. <laughs> um, and we kind of touched on our last podcast, which you brought up some some great things, um, you know, that we're going to talk about as far as um, depression and anxiety and how that looks um, for graduate students of color. Um, and then the, you know, college campuses not being able to adequately um, serve um, students and students of color and dealing with stigmas and all that good stuff. So, um, we're going to talk about that when we come back from my break. Health Awareness Month. Um, so um, this or this podcast, we're talking about the mental health challenges of students of color. Um, so I did some research, and I kind of pulled some stats from two different articles. One is from um, the Council of Graduate Studies, and the article was entitled, entitled um, A Pressing Issue in the Wellness of Graduate Students. The other is from um, an article by Lipson et al., um, and it's entitled Mental, Mental Health Disparities Among College Students of Color. Um, so basically, um, amongst those two articles, um, we know that the prevalence of mental health challenges among PhD students is higher than that of highly educated, of the highly educated general population, um, and much higher than the general population. Um, the Council of Graduate Studies um, did a pressing issue survey, and they found that 63 of their respondents strongly agreed um, or agreed that current graduate students struggle to maintain mental health awareness more than students from five years ago. Um, so um, that number or, or that, you know, that has increased. Um, only 10% of respondents disagreed with a statement. Um, however, with the heightened awareness about mental health challenges among graduate students, um, deans in, um, that serve graduate populations, 
seem to be concerned that, you know, camp cities are not currently equipped to handle these challenges. So kind of goes back to what you said, Jute, um, when you were doing your research about um, resident um, supervisors and residence halls and um, where students are going um, because um, there isn't just enough space um, in, you know, college um, counseling offices. And it's funny because this morning um, we were all talking about the episode of Gronish. Um, it'll be two weeks ago now when y'all hear this, but on that last episode of Gronish, um, they addressed this. So one of the students on the show um, had an attempted um, attempted suicide, um, and they were the student lived in a in a, um, a dorm for people of color. Um, so um, the dorm the residence director kind of addressed, you know, how people of color, how students of color deal with um, mental health situations and and stigmas and you know, how there's not enough resources on campus of, you know, art imitating life, um, you know, kind of ties into what we're talking about today. Um, students of color remain an understudied population um, concerning mental health, and studies have found that a higher prevalence of depression and anxiety among students of color, as well as higher levels of functional impairments relative to white students, um, while others have found that symptoms do not vary. Um, studies show that mental health treatment is lower among students of color. Um, and many, you know, are pointing to the fact that, um, there are high le- levels of stigma associated with, um, communities of color and what mental health awareness looks like. And this is particularly among Asians and African Americans. Um, so do you say first and then Dr. Poole? Mm-hmm. Um, thinking back on, you know, our, on our doctoral journey, um, how can you relate to kind of the information that we just discussed? So, um, I come from a very kind of like, uh, so I come from, uh, African household. So actually, um, Liberian specifically. So shout out Liberian Independence Day actually today. Oh, uh, yay! Uh, yay! years. Um, so basically, uh, so I come from a more of a, a structured, um, authoritarian household, so very high expectations um, in terms of um, how I get things done. And so um, because, of course, you know, we come from a collectivist culture, my dad is very, um, how should I put this darkly? So he's very involved um, in our lives and kind of how things get things done. So even though I'm as old as I am, he's still like, okay, how's everything going? How are you moving? And so it's almost kind of like that pressure of, that and getting making sure I'm doing what I need to do, but then dealing with the pressures of work, right? And then dealing with my personal struggles, like I mentioned earlier, yeah. um, it, it kind of all kind of comes crashing down, and then I just have breakdowns, like because being a perfectionist, it's like I, I have to do everything right, and then you see that I'm going looking on the lifetime line. You're like, oh, well, I should be married by now. I'm in my 30s. I'm not married. I'm not seriously dating. You know, so it's, it's like, you know, you almost, it's almost, why am I even doing, you know, it just kind of, yeah. everything just kind of comes in and just breaks you down. Yeah. Um, and so I struggled a lot with, um, with that. And so, um, dealing with like, because you come from the Liberian household or a group household, it's, you do what your parents say. So it's like I'm listening to what my dad is saying and what the journey, 
But then I'm also trying to find my own voice. So that was kind of like where the identity piece came in because for so long I've done what my parents have said, right? But then now that I'm in my 30s, I'm like, okay, I may not want to do it that way, mm-hmm. yeah. right? But then you don't want to be disrespectful by telling your parents, I don't want to do that, right? Yeah. So you try to find your own voice and so that self-esteem and just everything dealing with you know the personal struggles trying to find out who you are and those kind of things like that all just came crashing down so i would say definitely uh the depression the anxiety um you know those kind of things like that so um those are the two main things i think but that was all all of those reasons i think kind of put can't uh build on each other to kind of cause those issues i believe yeah, I definitely agree with future Dr. Ma in that, um, you know, you experience like this, like wealth of emotions that even if you've, and we've talked about this on the show, but like, even if you've had a parent that's gone through the process of any form of a graduate program, a degree, it's still different for you because you're you. And so, um, it can be a struggle sometimes to, um, cause most people, if we're honest, like who pursue a PhD is we have a little bit of like perfectionism in us. We have a little bit of overachievement in us and not because, not in the negative way, but in that we have a plan, we have a goal, we have something that, you know, the reason, cause I mean, hopefully nobody's just doing these for fun cause it's not that fun. Um, but, but like, but like just being able to find, you know, that middle place where you understand yourself better. And I think that's what Jute was hitting on is just like, you know, you come on the other side of it by doing what you need to do to take care of you as the person. Um, and sometimes you don't learn that until you have to be like kind of backed into a corner and you notice yeah. yourself struggling physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, and it can be hard because even if you have a cohort, even if you have friends who are in it, Nobody is with you in those like weird late night right. moments. Um, right. early for, for me, it was early in the morning because that's when I would get up and like write, but I would be like, I'm losing my mind. Like, you know, like I would literally be sitting right. at my kitchen table right. in the laptop and I'm like, did I go to sleep? Did I wake? Did I not go to sleep? Yeah. Like, you know, you just, and so you eventually realize that, um, it just, it takes over. And so kind of reeling it back in and finding your balance, I think is just really important. Um, cause I know I felt like that. Um, I think the best, not the best advice, but some of the advice that I got that about things like that, that I wasn't necessarily expecting, um, and trying to prepare myself for this process was that because you're in this like very critical life stage, that's when like, you know, Murphy's law just kicks in. And so everything yes. else outside of even what you're trying to accomplish is happening. And so Dr. Yes. Shonda Allen Mitchell told me that when she was just like, you know, there's going to be a period where literally you're going to feel like your body shutting down, your immune system is yeah. going to shut down. Something's yeah. going to happen to your car. You're going to have, you know, like it was just like, yeah. and I mean, legit that all happened. <laughs> So, um, like car and all for me. So for sure. Um, and so it just, you know, it's one of those things though, again, because it's your journey as much as I know, and my mom didn't get a PhD, but she went to graduate school. And so she understood the intensity of the work and, 
when stuff started like breaking down and I would just call her and I'm like, I'm quitting and I'm crying and I'm not a huge crier. So she was like, what is going on? Like, you know, so I think, and I think anybody in my life, like who knew me was just like, Oh, what's happening? You know? And so I think just being able to, to know that that's coming, which is part of why we started Ebony's and Ivory in the first place is give people sort of the heads up, but also understand as much of um, preparation as you can maybe try to do for the process. It's still just your path to walk and um, doing what you can to utilize tools and resources and people to, you know, prepare yourself as best as possible is important. And then also just knowing when to say no and when to hit pause and when to, you know, be like, okay, I'm taking two days off from writing because I just can't. And um, I think those are the ways that you have to kind of think about you know, when I think about my own journey, um, the things that I could maybe, I would have maybe done over or done differently would have been like learning that sooner. But again, I had to do it in the way that life presented it to me, um, Mm -hmm. and just go with it. Mm -hmm. I agree with, with, with what both of you said. I think that, you know, when you, um, are high achieving in a sense, I think, um, anxiety definitely can rear its ugly head. Um, and kind of creep in. Um, and I know, you know, at the pool, you and I, we've had times where, you know, we've broken down, just like you said, um, Jute, and we, you know, like, why, like, why are you even, like, why are we doing this? You know, I remember, like, like, probably staying up, like, the night before, and just, like, walking around campus trying to get to class, and I'm looking like, like, I feel like I'm in prison. Like, nobody else, everybody else looks like, you know, the birds are chirping for them, and, mm-hmm. like, the, the sky is blue, and, like, I'm over here, like, trying to keep my head above water. Yeah, and hair falling out, here. like. <laughs> all, all the things, all the mm-hmm. um, And, you know, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, yeah. why, what, like how is this going to help me? Like, this is stupid. Like, we, we've had those moments. Um, and then, you know, when life hits, um, and then, you know, stress, stress happens and you have to learn how to manage that. Um, so I think that, you know, the opportunity, um, for, like I said, anxiety is real and, um, you know, depression and, and just, um, you know, making sure that we're taking care of our mental health, um, and, and understanding that, you know, they can be, um, you know, it can be something that you might have to deal with um, when you're along the doctoral process. So, um, you know, if you guys don't have anything else, we're going to close. Um, you tell you have anything else that you want to um, give out or anything? Yeah, I will say no when you need help and utilize those resources. Like, um, sometimes as a counselor, like, oh, you think you need help and you need, I mean, I did need help. I sought therapy out. I reached out to friends and family. I, you know, obviously didn't give them the full rundown. I told them, like, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough. So identify your resources that you do have, your friends, that small group that you can really trust as you're going through this process because you're going to need to tap into those resources when you're going through that. And it's okay. Like, I think that's what, in talking to both of the doctors here, they, they was like, it's okay to have those, that, those times. It's okay. But when it gets to a point where, you're like not sleeping or not eating or it's affecting your life. You need to step back and take a break. And that's what yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, I had to take a break and I, I wasn't able to be that timeline that I wanted to, but I knew that if I didn't take care of myself, Dr. Curry was very understanding. My work supervisor was very understanding. 
Um, if I didn't have that time, I don't think I'd be where I am right now. You know, I think I would just probably just, okay, I'm, I'm going to have to take some years off. So really know your limit and it's okay to take a step back. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. know who your, your resources are. If you need help, seek help for sure. Definitely. Yeah, like the transparency, like I like absolutely like appreciate it so much, um, because these are real conversations that need to be had, and everybody's journey isn't isn't going to look the same. Um, you know, I've spoken with um, other women of color um, who've gone through the process, and they've had to take breaks, and they've experienced like the death of families and breakups and things like that, and they've had to take breaks, and just things look differently for everybody. So. Um, just staying true, I think, you know, along with what you're saying, staying true to who you are and knowing your limitations, I think is so important. Um, so we want to thank you, um, the future Dr. Ma. Um, and we don't have Ebony's in that spotlight this week because Dr. the future Dr. Ma is our Ebony's in the spotlight this month. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a full circle. Uh, like, she's the star of the show. Um, so we, we really appreciate um, you all for tuning in. Hopefully, um, you were able to relate and you feel represented in a sense um, by you tasting her story. Um, we just want to thank y'all for being dedicated to our cause and being part of our tribe. Um, please be on the lookout um, for future bonus episodes and just future content that we have planned for um, this year. Um, that's almost over. like we're like more than halfway through the year, which is crazy. Yeah, um, it's my so half yeah. birthday. <laughs> it's such a joke. It's such a joke. It's so funny. People like, happy birthday. And I'm like, <laughs> I thought people would read it. I really thought people would read it. I'm like, no one reads anymore. That's horrible. Yeah. And they're going to be real mad when January come back around. And I'm like, it's my real birthday. Wasn't it just your birthday? Yeah, I'm gonna be like, it was, it was. Thank you. Bye, y'all.